the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. This program was originally broadcast live on 93.9 KPDQ. We hope you enjoy the show. Well, good afternoon and welcome to the Wednesday edition of the Georgine Rice Show. Glad to have you with us. Today on the program, we're going to talk with Mark Hancock. And did I mention, by the way, did I just completely neglect to mention that Clark Hilton is engineering today's program? I know you were wondering. Uh, James Blend is producing as well. Uh, Today, we're going to talk with Mark Hancock. He is the CEO of Trail Life USA. It's an alternative to the Boy Scouts of America. They've shifted their focus and emphasis, and uh, Trail Life USA is a growing movement uh, that provides a similar adventure experience for boys and young men, and we're going to talk with him about that. By the way, there's a, a comparable Uh, movement for girls as well who don't necessarily want to be in the Girl Scouts of America. So we'll talk with Mark Hancock about that. And I want to share with you a testimony. Deanne Barnes is the founder of His Wonderful Works, and I had the opportunity to meet her last summer at the Restored Network uh, National Conference. I was invited to emcee that event, and she and I, as well as one of her associates, have been corresponding uh, pretty much ever since. They're working on developing a radio ministry, and so the three of us uh, have a conference call every, um, let's see, every Friday, and we're working toward uh, them having a what I think is going to be a very timely and important radio program addressing issues of sexuality as it relates to the Christian faith. Both of them have fascinating backgrounds uh, that really are a testimony to the power and the transformation that can be enjoyed when, uh, when following Jesus. Uh, She had the opportunity to share her testimony at the Beulah Heights University Chapel, and uh, I got her permission to share that testimony with you because it's it's a great, concise outline of what God has done in her life. She lived the lesbian lifestyle for a number of years, and uh, without giving you much of the detail, uh, what she has experienced in her walk with Christ, which wasn't a um, uh, overnight transformation, is really remarkable and a reminder that God is still in the business of uh, transforming all of us, whatever our background may have uh, may have been. So Deanne Barnes' testimony, we'll share that with you with uh, through much of the five o'clock hour. I hope you'll stick around and uh, listen in. Otherwise, by the way, you can always go to the the KPDQ website and look for the Georgine Rice Show podcast, where the programs are available to you to listen at your convenience. So check that out as well. Taking a look at some of the uh, the headlines, the race in Pennsylvania, suspense remains, although a victor has been been announced by the victor himself. Uh, The race remained too close to call earlier today. Democrat Connor Lamb declared victory over Republican Rick Saccone in the Pennsylvania special midterm election. And you might wonder, why is that even important to know? It's uh, considered by some to be a bellwether of what's likely to happen in November. If you have a a president that's not particularly popular, below 50 percent approval rating, it's much more likely that there's going to be a turnover in the House. So this is just statistically and historically. So you don't know what's actually going to happen. I mean, how did uh, Donald Trump become president? So that sort of skewed what everybody thought they knew about how all of this works. But anyway... 
Uh, some are considering this a bellwether for the November midterm elections when the Democrats would very much like to wrest control of the House from the Republicans. Now, some interesting side notes in all of this. The uh, Democrat running uh, in that race was much more conservative than the, the Nancy Pelosi Democrat, for example. And in fact, he campaigned on distancing himself from her. He's sort of pro-life light, although by my definition, he wouldn't be considered pro-life, but nonetheless. So he was a bit of a different um, candidate, and this district is only going to exist for a short period of time because redistricting in that state means I think they have six months, and then it uh, it sort of vanishes. But all of that said, the Associated Press hasn't called the race. Unofficial returns showed Lamb with a narrow lead over Saccone, the Republican, uh, as absentee ballots were still being counted. Some of those absentee ballots were not expected to be tallied until this morning, and the final result could be decided by a recount because it's that close. Well, none of this stopped Lamb from claiming victory and thanking his supporters. Uh, And in fact, most uh, observers thought he would probably win. He went on to uh, say in his acceptance speech, it took a little longer than we thought, but we did it. Uh, Mission accepted. Meanwhile, Saccone, his Republican opponent, vowed his campaign would work through Wednesday. I'm not sure what you work on after the election, but insisting on a recount, I suppose. Still, the unofficial results show Lamb riding a wave of Democratic enthusiasm in a district that President Donald Trump won 16 months uh, ago by 20 points. Whatever the official outcome, the election on Tuesday may have already raised Democratic hopes for taking back the House in November. Also, Stephen Hawking, who defied um, ALS to become the most influential theoretical physicist of his time, has died at age 76, which is quite remarkable in and of itself. Hawking died peacefully in his home in Cambridge, England, and although he was incapacitated physically, he managed to write books, including the bestseller A Brief History of Time, Teach Physics and Mathematics, Deliver Speeches, Even Float in Zero Gravity, gravity rather, all while working in the fields of cosmology and quantum gravity. He was uh, not modest about what he wanted to do. My goal, he said, is simple. It is to uh, is it is rather a complete understanding of the universe, why it is as it is and why it exists at all. More on uh, that a bit later in the program. And when it comes to the fine art of diplomacy, one thing trumps all else, chemistry between the president and his secretary of state. Now, that was the first of what appears to be a number of shakeups in the White House. President Trump and Secretary of State Rex Tillerson didn't have that chemistry. And so now Tillerson is out of a job. Beltway foreign policy experts might be flabbergasted that the president announced yesterday that he's fired Tillerson and wants to replace him with the CIA director Mike Pompeo. But it seems uh, pretty clear that the president President and Tillerson never had the chemistry to make this uh, marriage work in the first place. By the way, marriage shouldn't be based on chemistry. Just a side note. The uh, president said Tuesday morning that he and Tillerson disagreed on too many issues to work well together. We were not really thinking the same, the president told reporters. Really, it was a different mindset, a different thinking. Well, Pompeo will need to be confirmed by the Senate to take over as secretary of state. Before heading the uh, CIA, he was a Republican member of Congress from Kansas. The president said he was nominated. Nominating Dr. Gina Haspel, Pompeo's deputy at the CIA, to succeed him as the next director. The move to oust Tillerson makes sense with the diplomatic storm that's uh, coming. Trump needs the right team to guide him through some tough challenges ahead. Right meaning a team that I guess he says uh, he can work with. In the next few months, the Trump administration has some pretty big national security challenges it must tackle. And getting all of those players up to speed has to be a challenge that uh, probably wasn't welcomed by some players at this point. 
Also, the National School Walkout in honor of Parkland. From Maine to Hawaii, thousands of students plan to stage walkouts today and did to protest gun violence one month after the deadly shooting inside the high school in Parkland, Florida. Now, there was a difference of opinion as to what the purpose of the march was. On the one hand, it was to remember uh, and honor the 17 whose lives were lost uh, in that um, horrific event in Parkland just one month ago today. Also, uh, on the website, the emphasis uh, was more about uh, pressuring uh, lawmakers into addressing gun violence. So however it was interpreted, some 3,000 locations across the country were expected and did participate for 17 minutes. Um, uh, This is uh, the biggest demonstration yet of the student activism that's uh, emerged following the massacre of 17 at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School. Students from the elementary to college level took place or, or took part rather, uh, in uh, to the call in a variety of ways. Some planned roadside rallies to honor the shooting victims, protest violence. Others were uh, uh, holding demonstrations in school gyms, football fields. Uh, all in all, students uh, decided that they were going to stand for their own safety and call upon the adults that they had relied on up to this point. Uh, to make sure that they are going to be kept safe while in school. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show, brought to you in part by Zero Res. We'll be back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, welcome back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show, brought to you in part today by Liberty Coin and Currency. Coming up later this hour, we're going to talk with Mark Hancock. He's the CEO of Trail Life USA. It's a sort of adventure club like Boy Scouts, only quite different from Boy Scouts as it exists in the 21st century. We'll talk with him about that coming up in our next two segments. And then at 5 o'clock, I want to share with you a testimony from a friend of mine. She's a, a fairly new friend, but one I have come to profoundly respect and whose testimony I wanted desperately for you to hear. Deanne Barnes is the founder of His Wonderful Works. She shared her testimony at Beulah Heights University Chapel, and I wanted to share that with you, and you can hear that in the five o'clock hour. Well, conservative commentator and former Reagan administration official Larry Kudlow has accepted the job of White House National Economic Council director, replacing Gary Cohn. That was announced earlier today. The story is developing, but again, uh, more of a switch up. Uh, in the White House. Meanwhile, Attorney General Jeff Sessions is considering firing top of FBI official Andrew McCabe before, before rather he officially retires from the Bureau in a few days, a move that could deprive the outgoing deputy director of pension benefits. Now, sources say if McCabe is terminated by uh, close of business this Friday, that would mean McCabe would not receive a government pension. That seems a bit spiteful. The department follows a prescribed process by which an employee may be terminated. The Department of Justice Spokeswoman Sarah Eisker Flores said in a statement that process includes recommendations from career employees and no termination decision is final until the conclusion of that process. We have no personnel announcements at this time. Well, according to the New York Times, which first reported the story, the Justice Department's inspector general concluded in an upcoming report that McCabe has not been forthcoming with its investigation of uh, into how the FBI handled its probe into Hillary Clinton's email server. The inspector general findings sparked an FBI disciplinary process that recommended his firing, something Sessions can accept or reverse, the paper said. Well, it's been learned that the FBI's Office of Professional Responsibility made the recommendation to terminate McCabe. Sessions is reviewing that recommendation, can give it the final approval uh, or step, uh, step in to stop the process. McCabe's pension kicks in on Sunday, so the termination would have to be done by close of business day on Friday to stop it. The Inspector General faulted McCabe for 
Mueller's decision to allow officials to speak with reporters about the Bureau's investigation into the Clinton Foundation. And in January, McCabe was removed from his post as deputy director, setting in, a, in motion, rather, a plan to leave the Bureau after months of conflict of interest complaints from Republicans, including the president. A source at the time says that uh, McCabe is taking terminal leave effectively taking vacation until he reaches his planned retirement in a manner of weeks. And in this case, that manner of weeks or matter of weeks, rather, is uh, this Sunday. Well, in a series of rather rude, condescending remarks on Sunday, Hillary Clinton made it clear how little respect she has for those who voted for Donald Trump and women in general. Um, Let's get a few facts clear first. Um, about women, she said. And part of, uh, of that is an identification with the Republican Party, she said. Well, let's start a bit earlier. Speaking at the India Today Conclave 2018 in Mumbai, she said Democrats do not do well with white men and we don't do well with married white women. Now, she's saying Democrats when, in fact, she's referring to herself. She doesn't do well in those two areas. I wouldn't extend that out to the Democrat Party. But nonetheless, she went on to say, and part of that is an identification with the Republican Party and a sort of ongoing pressure to vote the way uh, that your husband, your boss, your son, whoever believes you should. In other words, conservative women or women who uh, just don't support her are being guided by their uh, their spouses or the men in their lives. They don't apparently have a backbone of their own and are guided by the males. Uh, in this insulting uh, comment, women who voted for Trump are idiots who just listen to the alpha males in their lives. Thanks uh, to, for your confidence in the sisterhood, Hillary. Seriously, though, why is a supposed feminist icon ripping other women apart as unable and unwilling to think for themselves? Well, Clinton and Trump had different views on abortion, immigration, taxes, religious liberty, foreign policy, gun control, and virtually everything else. Maybe some women voted for Trump because radical ideas uh, here, they actually agreed with his position. Now, I know that uh, Hillary has a habit of demonizing those who disagree with her. It's not just a matter of holding a difference of opinion. Uh, You have some sort of nefarious evil purpose if you don't agree with her. Well, unfortunately, Hillary isn't the only one who thinks women should uh, should have voted one way in 2016. Last year, former First Lady Michelle Obama remarked, any woman who voted against Hillary, now this is not for uh, Trump, but against Hillary, voted against their own voice, as if women all over the country have a singular voice and Hillary is its sound. Well, during the 2016 primary, when plenty of uh, woke millennial women on the left were supporting Bernie Sanders over Clinton, former Secretary of State Madeleine Albright said, there's a special place in hell for women who don't help each other. Now, again, I've seen this as an African-American, that there are certain things that you are required to do based on the level of pigment in your skin. You're not allowed to think for yourself. You are required by virtue of your gender or your race in this case uh, to think in a certain way. And failure to do so is a failure on your part. You're not living up to the commitment that you have biologically to think a certain way. If you weren't a Trump voter because you were brainwashed by the men in your life, you were probably a Trump voter because you were racist. That was the other thing Clinton actually implied. Characterizing Trump's message, Clinton said, per the Hill, uh, you didn't like black people getting rights. You don't like women. You uh, know getting uh, getting jobs, women getting jobs. You don't want to, you know, uh, see that Indian American. Now, she's speaking to an Indian audience, and that's what she sees before her. These are Indian. Um, uh, this is an Indian audience. Therefore, I'm 
I'm going to make reference to Indian Americans and make the point that anyone who didn't vote for me not only opposes blacks and women, but they also oppose Indians succeeding uh, more than they're succeeding themselves. So this is just it's been so insulting that Democrats who have previously uh, supported her have denounced uh, this very exchange in India as well. She can't seem to get over the fact that she's lost. She needs to move on and to blame others um, really makes her look quite bad. Um, so anyway, besides being racist, uh, sexist, if you don't vote for Hillary, you're also probably poor. I won the places that represent two thirds of America's gross domestic product, she said. So I won the places that are optimistic, diverse, dynamic, moving forward. Why exactly did she bother apologizing for that uh, deplorables comment uh, if she continues abroad? making such statements about clearly half of the country. Uh, Clinton uh, was speaking what she really thought um, about all Americans who didn't vote for her. And that's uh, that's a problem. We can't have a serious conversation as a country if we villainize all of our opponents or dismiss them as brainwashed idiots, as uh, full half of uh, U.S. women apparently are. The fact is, um, voting for Hillary was a choice that many women made based on a number of things, and not all of them were conservative, and not all of them voted for Donald Trump. Anyway, it was an insulting exchange, but not altogether surprising, uh, given Hillary's unwillingness to move on. But it it did cement for many Democrats the desire for her to simply um, continue to be marginalized and asking her to discontinue speaking, which is which is unfortunate because I think she could have had a, a bright um, legacy uh, had she not chosen this route. Well, people over 65, speaking of uh, the elderly, uh, would outnumber children in 2035, or rather by 2035. That's a first in U.S. history. That's according to updated projections released by the Census Bureau yesterday. The milestone would be the latest marker of the nation's aging, which is accelerated with baby boomers as we move into the senior years and recessionary effects on births and immigration over the past decade. The shift deepens challenges for fiscal policy and economic growth, trends in birth and immigration have also showed slowed rather the rate at which the country is becoming more diverse. Whites who aren't Hispanic will begin shrinking as a group by 2024. I don't know why that matters, but it's a statistic. Uh, they would drop below half of the population by 2045, two years later than the Bureau estimated just a few years ago. By 2020, less than half of those under 18 years old would be non-Hispanic white. Again, the elderly in the U.S. are projected to outnumber children for the first time in the year 2035. I haven't quite done the math, but I'm quite curious to see how old I'll be if the Lord allows me to live at that time. Well, Britain decided, as the announcement was made earlier this week, that uh, Russia had two days to respond to Britain's charge that it had uh, engaged in an act of aggression on U.K. soil. Britain has expelled 23 Russian diplomats in the nerve agent case, and they're going to block all high-level contacts with uh, Moscow. So they've ordered the expulsion of the 23 believed to involved in espionage-related activities. The British prime minister announced Wednesday in the first wave of measures against Moscow for a nerve gas attack against a former double agent. Speaking to Parliament, she also outlined a range of other steps, including a halt to high-level meetings with Russia. Russian officials. Um, Nikki Haley also spoke on behalf of the United States in response uh, to those allegations as well. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. Up next, we're going to talk with Mark Hancock. He's the CEO of Trail Life USA. If you're looking for an alternative to the Boy Scouts, it has that same kind of traditional adventure uh, emphasis and theme. You're going to want to listen to uh, my conversation with Mark Hancock. We'll be back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast.
is aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, good afternoon and welcome back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. Well, Trail Life USA is a Christian-based leadership and development program. It forms outdoor adventure groups and it uh, it's a place where boys can be boys. It was founded in 2013 and Trail Life USA has been embraced enthusiastically by families that are seeking faith-based nurture and activity programs based on traditional values. Well, today, nearly 30,000 members are part of uh, this organization with almost 750 troops all across 48 states. Here to talk with us about this alternative to the Boy Scouts, where lots of families used to go, is the uh, CEO of Trail Life USA, Mark Hancock. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, Georgine. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, let's talk about uh, why lots of families have shifted their involvement from the Boy Scouts to an organization like yours uh, in recent uh, recent years. Well, over the last four years, the uh, Boy Scouts seems to have developed a pattern of making decisions departing from what had been traditional timeless values. And when you lose your way, then uh, everything ends up being on the table. So their decision to endorse and celebrate boys who wanted to be open and avowed about their homosexuality was their first decision in 2013. And then one, one year later, they expanded that to scoutmasters and leaders. And then, um, and of course, now they've, they've opened to girls. Of course, we have no issue with girls in Trail Off USA. We think that girls deserve their own organization. And they have, there are organizations such as American Heritage Girls that cater specifically to girls. But we're really concerned about boys and about the state of boys in our culture and about how they, they are being uh, uh, increasingly overlooked. And, uh, and, and uh, we, we think that an organization like Trail Off USA that caters specifically to to boyhood and the growing boys and the godly young men is an important uh, adventure. Well, we seem to be moving in a direction in our country, and I'm just looking at a couple of uh, headlines. One was um, uh, out of uh, HQ, uh, are, the, are the men gone? This Hollywood Reporter cover is a bad sign. Another, the growing attack on boys, when the, the notion of masculinity and testosterone in general is now being pointed to as the root of, of all evil, and boyhood and manhood in general is being uh, frowned upon. What sets uh, this organization apart, Trail Life USA, in um, affirming uh, boys and allowing them to be, as, as I mentioned a moment ago, to be boys? Well, we really pay attention to those things. Like I said, we're, we're focused on boys. But, you know, boys are three times more likely to be enrolled in special education, four times more likely to be diagnosed with ADHD, and, and high school girls outnumber boys two to one in top 10 senior rankings. Certainly there's something wrong in the way that we're catering or not catering to boys in our society. So Trail Life USA is intentionally and unapologetically Christ-centered and boy-focused. We really think that boys, in order to develop into godly men, need to be surrounded by godly men who show them uh, what it is to be to, to be a godly man. And we don't think that there's so much value in sitting a boy down and telling him, don't be mean to women and don't shoot people. We think that when you teach them the, the uh, traditional biblical values about honoring other people, about respecting other people, about protecting and serving and respecting women and other people, that that's, that that's a much better lesson, lesson than to assume that they're somehow going to act out. The motto of, uh, of Trail Life USA is walk worthy. Explain that and how it relates to Colossians 1.10. Well, it comes from Colossians 1.10, and it's, it's, it's really just a reminder for our troops and the boys. You know, of course, they're taught that in the troops uh, in depth with what the meaning is, and some troops will go further than us in explaining what it means to walk worthy. It appears a number of times in Scripture, but we tend to, to focus on that First Corinthians 1.10, 
verse, but it, it's just a reminder to boys and, and, and an adult uh, in the program, a leader in the program can just say to a, a young man who may be pushing the boundaries a little bit, hey, remember, you're a trailman and we walk worthy. And that's just an instantaneous kind of re- reminder about who it is that, that, that he is and draws him back to uh, to our core focuses. Well, tell us a little bit about Trail Life USA, how you work with boys. It's a relatively new um, Christian male outdoor adventure uh, program that focuses on character and uh, leadership. Talk a little bit about what boys who are participants, uh, what they do. Well, Trail Life USA is, is about four years old. We, we began forming in 2013, but we launched on January 1st, 2014, with about 10,000 members on our first day in, in 42 states. And really, it's because, as you said in your opening, people are desiring a commitment to more traditional values for boys and for the biblical values that we held on to. When they see a culture sliding away from that, we recognize boys need a place where they can be boys. So the types of activities that you see troops doing, we, we form troops in churches across the country. We're in about 750 churches. And they do the conventional outdoor activities, the camping and the hiking and zip lining and 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 uh, those outdoor activities that are associated with boys being able to get outdoors and, and enjoy enjoy that. We're surrounded by uh, men who are both uh, background checked and child safety youth protection trained. They go through two hours of training, and then they also are uh, they sign a statement of faith and a statement of values that talks about things like purity and integrity and stewardship and service. And the boys launch out on these things together. In a male-focused environment that lets them be boys, enjoy the outdoors together. And some of the hidden secrets in it is that while the boys are enjoying that, the men are growing from each other, and that they're developing bonds with each other. And the boys will go to bed, they'll tent down, and the, the dads may stay up around a fire and talk about how to be a better husband or how to be a better father. And then they comment to each other, hey, "I saw the way that you responded to your son. Talk to me about that. How can I?" How can I do that with my son? Kind of learn from each other. So that's kind of the secret. It's not only we're growing boys, but we're also encouraging men to grow as husbands and, and as fathers. And we also have the amazing ministry to boys without dads. Of course, in our culture today, that's so prominent, fatherless homes. And when you look at some uh, of, of the statistics, it's really shocking where we are as fatherless homes. And, and people talk about the uh, reasons for these shootings and these, this violence. And when you look at those those young men involved in the shootings, a majority of them, a huge majority, like six out of the last seven, come from fatherless homes. So we have a lot of uh, single moms that enroll the boys in the program because they've been praying for an opportunity for a, for their son to be be uh, mentored, discipled by a godly man. And so we provide that opportunity if a, if a boy doesn't have a dad. He'll develop in that troop a dad-like person, someone who speaks into his life. I was visiting Texas not not too long ago, and a gentleman came to me. He was a leader in a troop, and he talked to me about how he focused in on the the boys without dads in the group. And I asked him about this. He said, tell me about your interest in that. He said, well, when I I was nine years old, my father passed away. And he said, my mom put me in an outdoor boys organization, and a man in that organization – uh, began to take take an interest in me and develop me and help me learn, get me through that difficult time, pre-adolescence and adolescence, and help me develop into a man. And I, I promise that I want to do that for as many boys as I can. And that's powerful stuff, mm-hmm. uh, especially in a, in a culture that doesn't seem to value uh, fathers and, and father likes as much as it did. So we really think that we've staked a claim saying, uh, uh, you know, we consider boys to be important. We think that they're important enough that they have a program that's dedicated to them, that's designed for them, 
that respects and recognizes the rough and tumble uh, part. And, and we actually think that uh, that, 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 that type of um, uh, taking on challenges and that type of behavior is actually part of what makes our society really good is men that are willing to take risks and step out and, uh, and to compete and uh, uh, for things. We think that that's good for boys, and we're seeing it uh, produce some pretty awesome young men. I want to go back to a phrase that both you and I have used in the course of our conversation, and that is uh, boys are allowed to be boys. What do you mean uh, generally by that? Because in our culture today, that that's considered uh, sort of a threat uh, because we have a misunderstanding or a lack of appreciation of what manhood and boyhood um, in its its best expression is really all about. Mm-hmm. Well, we believe that the drive, the daring, uh, the kind of tendencies of, a, of healthy boys are what's responsible for much is right with society because we think that those boys become determined, focused, and winning men, the type of boys and the type of men that will stand up for women, the type of boys and men who will, who will do the difficult thing because it's right, and, and they don't shy away from challenge because they've been challenged. Um, in our culture today, a lot of the challenges are removed. When you look at our schools, they've taken they're taking tag away, they're taking recess away, they're taking the games that we grew up with, dodgeball and Red Rover, because they think that those games are too aggressive. Well, they're not too aggressive. They're exactly the type of, of daring uh, things that boys enjoy, and boys don't see them as being aggressive or, or, or violent. They see them as, as being games, and that's how they kind of – uh, grow themselves and, and gain their confidence and realize what it is that they're able to do. Because we remove those things from the outdoors and we drive the boys indoors, and now, of course, they get on video games and they're doing those things virtually rather than reality. So they're competing with other people and they're shooting and they're uh, going to next levels and things like that rather than competing with other boys in a healthy manner. And so we drive them inside to do these things on the computer, and then we criticize them for being on the computer so much. And we leave them without really a place for them to explore just how, just how good they can be or how strong they can be or how developed they can be or how, how, how good they can be in, in, in pursuing a goal. I'm thinking about a young man who came from – there's four boys in the family, and the mother was suddenly a single mom at her terrible circumstances. And she cried out to God for a way for her boys to grow. And she sent her her 15-year-old son on his first uh, camping trip. The local trail troop reached out to the boy, got him engaged in the troop, and went on, I think it was a five-day hike. And he came home. He said, Mom, the third day I was ready to quit. The fourth day I thought I was going to (laughs) die. The fifth day I saw the peak and I thought, I can make it, I can make it, I can make it. He said, I pushed through that, Mom, and I did it. And that mom said, that is gold in the life of a mother who's trying to, you know, there's a boy now who will take on things like college or a new job or some kind of other challenge. And he'll reflect back on that opportunity. He got to push himself. And we have fewer, fewer of those opportunities offered to boys. And so we think that through trail life, uh, we're giving them opportunities, challenging outdoor and character building uh, accountability, uh, leadership opportunities that they don't find anyplace else. We're going to take a quick break, but we will continue our conversation. We're talking with Mark Hancock. He's the CEO of Trail Life USA. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. 
Hey, you're listening to The Georgine Rice Show, continuing a, a conversation with Mark Hancock. He is the chief executive officer of Trail Life USA, a wonderful organization for boys that uh, fosters traditional values and is essentially owned by the church. Um, there are four key values that Trail Life has established. Can you explain what they are and how those values are uh, instilled in uh, members of Trail Life USA? Integrity. And there's, there's so many ways to talk to and show a boy uh, how to walk in integrity. And through his activity in the troop, whether he's in a leadership position or whether he's responsible for a certain activity or whether he's responsible for, uh, uh, you know, whether it's preparing a meal for the rest of the troop or for his patrol or for choosing a hike or those, those kind of things, uh, it's in that outdoor adventure that he gets to test his integrity. And the boys get to call him on on certain things that produces growth. Stewardship is a big deal. It's one of our four main values and, and showing the boys how to, how to handle resources, how to respect creation and not destroy things, but to appreciate things. And, and we even go into resources and personal resources, how to budget and some practical um, information on how to, how to handle, how to handle money and, and, and resources. And we also talk about um, service. Uh, boys spend thousands of hours in community service. It's a troop either to their local church that they're sponsored out of or going out into the community and serving or serving with organizations like Samaritan's Purse or Operation Christmas Child and those sorts of things. They learn that they can go out and they can give back to their society. And then, of course, there's purity. And in our purity value, we talk about things like the definition of marriage and what it means to live, to live a, a, a pure life. You know, there's no question that culture is heading in a direction that's contrary to the traditional biblical truths that, that really society has upheld for generations. And, and we ask the question, who's, who's left to stand strong? Who's going to build a generation of courageous young men who honor God and lead with integrity? At every level of society, it seems like losing ground in some of these basic areas like purity and integrity and stewardship and service. And so we're restoring those things to Trail Life USA, and we're doing intentionally through our badges, the badge work that the boys do, uh, through the activities that they do, for the opportunities for leadership. You know, parents love the character experience that boys get, and they love the leadership experience that boys get, and boys love the adventure. Uh, and so in that setting, uh, we're really, we're really um, uh, changing lives and, and growing some young men and the godly young men. Well, it's evident that this program is based largely, it's character-focused rather than awards-focused, which has been uh, a hallmark of some of the other organizations. Talk a little bit about that the balance of focusing on character rather than awards that can be uh, gathered up as quickly as possible. Um, what's the difference and how, how do you all balance that? Well, that's a great question. And, and balance, you use that word twice, and that's exactly what it is. You know, I, we're, we came from a scouting family. My, my sons were in Boy Scouts. I, I wasn't. I was, I was a father in, in, in the program. And I remember going on a summer on a, a summer camp with them at a beautiful facility. And there was a lake there, and, and it was just wonderful. Well, we're sitting at a picnic table as a 15-year-old boy was teaching my boys about traffic safety. So that they could get their badge, so they can mark it off the list. And I thought, gosh, there's something wrong with this. Here's a beautiful outdoor setting, and so in our design program, our summer uh, activities aren't uh, these uh, trail badge um, workshops where you're just trying to pile up these badges so you can meet some sort of goal. But we call them summer adventures, and it's during that time that they use the skills that they worked on the rest of the year. So, so they may they may work on things like knot tying or, or setting up their tent or creating a shelter, some of those practical things. Fire. You know, working with fire, um, 
uh, all the things that they learn throughout the year. And the summer adventure is to go out and try that stuff. And so we take the pressure off of them and you got to earn this and earn that and earn this and earn that. Now we certainly, we have a robust awards program that uh, for the boys who are interested in that, that kind of kind of thing, there's plenty for them to do. And we have a, our highest award is called the Freedom Award, which is, a, which is a wonderful accomplishment for young men. But our emphasis is more on the time that they're spending together because you grow leadership skills when you're allowed to lead and when you have an opportunity to lead either peers or younger boys. And you grow in character when you get to rub up against people in difficult situations like a rainy camp uh, time or a, a particularly long hike. Um, that's where you're growing in character. And in that setting, you're also growing in leadership and you're encountering adventure that's going to build other other skills along the way. <clears throat> so we do have a robust awards program, but our balance is that we try not to make that the goal. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, for younger boys, they love getting getting things, you know, earning, earning uh, things for their accomplishments. But we have a program split into three units. We have a Woodlands Trail, which is kindergarten through fifth grade, and they focus on knowledge. They're gaining knowledge. It's a classical model of education. Because they can learn so much at that age, you know, when they're younger, they can memorize so much, we're loading them with information that they can have on, on the skills that they're going to need and on things like American heritage and Christian heritage and, and, and uh, uh, personal skills. And then in the middle grade, which is called our navigators at sixth through eighth grade, they're focusing on understanding. And that's taking the knowledge that they gained in their younger years and beginning to understand, well, this is why I learned about a knife. And now I'm understanding what it is that a knife is used for. This is why I learned about fire building. This is why I learned about hiking or a compass, what a compass does. Now I'm understanding how it, it in, how I interact with this compass to get to where I need to go. And then in the high school age, which is called our adventurers, we, we focus on wisdom. So it goes knowledge when they're young, understanding in the middle grade, and then wisdom. And the wisdom in the high school years is the application of that knowledge and that understanding that they gained. And so through the wisdom, we actually, uh, the boys lead by the time they get to that high school age. They have an adult who's in the room, called an advisor, and they'll have at least two adults in the room. But they sit back, and the boys at the high school age are leading that entire meeting through the knowledge they gained, through the understanding of that knowledge. Now they're applying the wisdom and they're making the plans. Where are we going to go hiking this weekend? What's our summer camping trip going to look like? What do we need to bring? What kind of food do we need to purchase? How many uh, pounds of hamburger do we need? How many bags of potato chips? They're making those kind of plans. And in my own personal life, I mean, I think it's amazing. My sons who are now 16 and 18 having gone through this type of, of, of adventure and, and growth. My wife and I, when we head out of town, we may say, okay, we're going to be gone for three days. It's going to be between 40 and 50 degrees, and there's going to be one night that you need to dress up. And they totally do their packing. They do the preparation, everything. They pack the suitcase. They, they do it all. And some parents are shocked that our boys can be so independent. But it's through that experience of having been in over and over again in this experience where they had to have the knowledge, the understanding, and the wisdom to, be, to have what they need when they got there. And um, so, but along the way, you have, you use your badges and rewards to, to, to recognize their accomplishments mm-hmm. and the things that they learned, the things they now understand and the things that they've applied. But that's secondary to that process. That's how we, that's how we keep that balance in line. Well, it just sounds like a great program for uh, parents who are listening and would love to find out more and to uh, get their boys involved in a trail life uh, scouting group. What would be the best way for them to, to learn more and to become involved? Well, there's a ton of information, Georgine, on our website. It's traillifeusa.com, traillifeusa.com, 2L, traillifeusa.com. 
and there's a tab there that says find and start a troop. You can click on that and it'll open up a map, map to the United States showing you where all the troops are located. You can put in your zip code or your city name or whatever you want to, and it'll show you within a five mile, 10 mile, 15 mile radius, what troops are meeting in your area. And it'll give you contact information for that troop so you can connect with that troop and, and get an invitation to, to attend. There's also on that same tab is how you start a troop. So if you go there and you look and there's not one in your area, it takes four or five adults in uh, a church that's interested in this mission uh, to, to, to get together and begin a troop. Uh, it does, actually doesn't take any boys because once you have the adults in place and the church that's interested, the boys come out of the woodwork because there are <laughs> parents who are looking for these opportunities for boys and there are dads who are looking for opportunities to spend time uh, in the outdoors with other men. So you can either find a troop on the map or you can start a troop and it's about maybe a 30 or 60 day process to get a troop up and running and that's really based on how quickly uh, your adults get to, get trained and, 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 uh, and prepared to start the troop. Well, we'll make sure so that training, information... Training's all over the United States. We send out uh, teams all over the United States to do trains. We have volunteers in every area to help the troop get up and running. We'll make sure that information is on the website as well for listeners who might be in their car and desperate to, to get that information. Well, thank you so much for talking with us today and for providing opportunities for uh, young boys and young men all across the country. Mark Hancock, it's been a pleasure. Thank you, Georgina. I've enjoyed it. Thank you so much. Again, Trail Life USA is the name of the organization, dot com. Uh, by the way, the uh, the female version of that is American Heritage Girls, and uh, you can find them online as well, AmericanHeritageGirls.org. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. We've got news and traffic up next. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. It is a wonderful day. I loved worship, the psalm that was read. Uh, our ministry, His Wonderful Works, as uh, Dr. mentioned, is out of Psalm 26.7. His Wonderful Works, the name comes from Psalm 26.7 that says, I will publish with the voice of thanksgiving and tell of all your wonderful works. So that is what we do. We educate and equip individuals, churches, help churches to become safe communities to deal with issues of family, relationships, and sexuality. We bring hope and strength by giving our own testimony of God's transformation. And then we teach about root issues and how to be healed of those things. So love ministry, love business. Uh, We just discussed about business, so I won't say a whole lot about that. But we're in our 70th year as you guys are celebrating your 100th year. Um, Thank you. Uh, My grandfather started a business, metal stamping manufacturing. And I have uh, been in the business most of my life, but love Love manufacturing and love all that is ahead for manufacturing in the USA here. And we're, again, celebrating our 70th year and look forward to lots of great things in business. And today I want to come and tell you a few things about my story to help you understand where I've come from, but also understand why I'm so passionate about helping people understand the issues that deal with we deal with today and right now in this culture in major uh, major issues here. So I'm going to tell a short story because I want to spend time mostly on on what God has to say today as a fresh new message about sexuality and gender and issues today that I think God is bringing. I believe God is bringing today. Um, my story, I, I grew up in a great Christian home. We called it Christian. We believed in Jesus, but I didn't know Jesus. Our family really wasn't born again and not heard the full gospel of the kingdom. But a great family. My dad worked faithfully. My mom stayed at home. I was the oldest of three children. My life was great. And I say that to say that when we have dysfunctions and messed up things, it's not always because we had a bad family. 
there is an enemy after our soul. There's a lot of stuff going on, generational things that just the enemy trying to come to destroy who we are. So, but there are things that play into all of that. Growing up, I was very much a tomboy, loved boy things. I could not do girl things and nothing wrong with being a tomboy, but it was indicative. My outward appearance was indicative of what I felt on the inside, which was insecurity and in what it meant to be girl. I was very insecure in and being a girl because of the dynamics, personality, the way I perceive things, relationships with same-sex um, leader, uh, leaders in my family. My mom, my grandmom came from very stoic backgrounds, and I was very sensitive and cried very easily. I had a hard time connecting with what it meant to be safe as a girl. So in doing that, I'm rejecting what God had intended to be imparted to me as a young girl. So as growing up, though, I'm happy. I'm playing soccer. I'm a great soccer player. I loved all those things. And But as I, as I grew up, um, things just, you know, as we form and things happen, I was molested at age 14 by a neighbor several times. This changed everything about who I, who I felt I was. I began to be very promiscuous heterosexually because of that molestation. And I want to say no matter how slight it is in being molested, being touched, being violated, it's such a violation to who we are. And if we don't acknowledge that and come before the Lord and to other people to be healed, God didn't just come. Jesus didn't just come for us to be born again. He came for us to be completely healed. So when we have past sexual abuse and we haven't been able to talk about it, the enemy keeps that in the dark. The scripture says... um, Walk in the light as he is in the light, and we have fellowship one with another. We really know each other, and there's a freedom in that. And it's difficult to share those deep things, but there's healing in it. The scripture also says, confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. My healing began when I could tell someone that I was sexually molested and that they loved me and that they kept that private and safe, but they prayed for me. It's not not enough just to say hey, I had this thing happen. That is very important. But for someone to pray the healing for us, it's, it's biblical. So God is calling the church to be real about our stuff, be real about our addiction to pornography, be real about our abuse, be real about our struggles with same-sex attraction, be real about that, saying, hey, church, I have a problem and I need some help. And not placating that and saying, oh, well, you're okay. No, there's a problem and we need to get to where we can be healed in it. And that is what the Lord did for me and, and will do for all of us. So in my story, I become very sexually promiscuous. I'm entered into pornography after that. Those things are happening. I became very assertive in my sexual brokenness with men because that way I wouldn't be violated. After the violation, the Lord showed me later that I, the reason I was acting out so assertively was to keep from being violated. But then I would just enter into more sexual brokenness. And the more you enter in, the more you open the door to all kinds of sorts of perversion, right? And at age 19, I found myself pregnant and had an abortion. And that is a grievous thing. Um, I didn't deal with it. You know, right, you just go on and live life. You don't deal with that pain that's suppressed. There's so much shame with abortion. And God wants us to be healed. Thank God he doesn't repay us as our sins deserve. I wouldn't have any children if he repaid me for what I've done. I, I killed my own child out of own selfishness, out of ignorance, out of what the culture is saying. But God comes and he says, I want to heal you of that. But he can't heal us if we can't tell somebody that we had this abortion. There's so much shame with abortion you, you realize how much shame you have with a thing when you can't mention it to anybody. I could tell everything that happened to me, but I could not tell about the abortion for the longest time because there was so much shame. And God wants to come heal us. And again, we confess our faults and get someone to pray for us. And sometimes it takes deep counseling to deal with that. There, it just is. Some things take counseling, right? And the level of sexual abuse takes extra counseling, not just, oh, we're born again, right? When we're born again, our spirit man's born again, but our flesh is carrying that backpack of all that stuff. 
So it's not enough just to go, okay, now I'm set free, right? I'm born again, and that's wonderful, but there's this psychological healing and things that need to happen in our lives. God can do it however he wants, right? He can just deliver us right there. But most of the time, we have to go back and deal with our stuff. That's the same whether it's alcoholism, drug addiction. The reason we're taking drugs is because we're covering up the pain. We can't just stop using the drugs and not deal with the pain. Same thing with our acting out same-sex attractions. We're acting out that way because there's issues, not because it's the way God created us. So I, I have this abortion, right? I move on. At age 21, I find myself in a homosexual relationship with a woman who was married. So not only did I um, enter into this relationship, I also destroyed a marriage. I don't deserve a marriage, children, or anything. But God in his mercy said, surrender to me and I'll give you the desires of your heart. He's not going to repay me and say, oh, it's, it would have been enough had I just been born again and he set me free and said, you're going to live single the rest of your life and just be happy. And not, nothing wrong with being single. I'm just saying my desire was to have a family and children. And he set my feet upon a rock and gave me so much more because someone told me the truth that, hey, you weren't born homosexual. Here's the real reasons why you have those attractions. And when that truth came, it began to stir in my heart. What if I'm not born that way? Because it felt so right. Homosexual attraction is not a choice. You don't just decide, oh, I'm going to feel that way and then decide to stop it. It's very real and it feels like you're born that way. Gender transfer, gender, uh, <laughs> gender confusion is the same thing. When we feel like we're in the wrong body, it's very real and it feels very real and it feels like you're born that way. But we don't go on our feelings if we know the word, right? And the conflict in our culture has been the word says this, but our feelings say this. And all of a sudden, for some reason in our culture, feelings have trumped what the Word of God says. When our feelings don't line up with how He created us, we need to figure out why that is and not just go, oh, well, maybe God changed His mind. And in doing that, if we do that to people, we are robbing them of the very things that they have. And uh, would you cue up a family picture I've sent um, here? I think that somebody has it back there. Uh, If someone had told me that I was born homosexual... They would have robbed me from everything you see there, my two sons and my daughter and my husband, because they thought they were being gracious to me and loving me to stay in my brokenness. They would have taken the, pr- the purpose. This is my purpose. This is what God had created me to have. And in compassion, we think compassion. It's false compassion saying it's okay to live that way. You just embrace that and, and embrace your homosexuality, embrace same-sex marriage, and even embrace your transgender. Change your body because that is a total deception. But we don't know that because we don't know what's behind it really as church people, right? I mean, we, we try to do our best, and we know people who struggle, and we love them, and we don't want to hurt them. And that's so true. We have to have love and compassion, the Father's love for us. But that real compassion tells us the truth. He tells us that the reason we have trouble even in our marriages is because of our past sexual abuse, and we have trouble with intimacy because of that. That's the truth. We need to get help for that, and God in his mercy brings us to that. So um, before I go on to... The meat of the message, that's uh, what happened to me, right? I I got born again later uh, after the same-sex attraction. God delivered me. Long story, a lot of healing going on with all that. That's been 25 years. But God has restored me. And there was a lot of healing and counseling I had to do. It wasn't an easy road. But God in his faithfulness, when we step out in obedience to him, and there's a walk of obedience. Once I got born again, all those same-sex attractions didn't just disappear. I had to walk faithfully and be obedient what, what I see happen a lot is one hand on the podium here. I have same-sex attraction. This is, might be a story in, that you'd see. And God, I've prayed and prayed for God to take this away from me, yet I'm holding on to it the whole time. And God's not delivering me. So I must be gay. No, he says, let go of what you're seeking for yourself and turn to me, and I will give you all of those things, right? 
So we can't hold on to the pornography and continue to look at it on our computer and go, God's not delivering me. If you have to throw the computer out the door, whatever you have to do, install something, make accountability. You've got to make some effort to be obedient. And we've lost our obedience um, in, in heterosexual, homosexual, whatever sex you want to call it. We've lost our obedience in the church because we don't know the truth and don't have a love for the truth. So um, praise God in all that. Gave me a husband, three wonderful children that I don't deserve. So wonderful testimony of God. <laughs> and I have, before I get into the meat of the message, I have some DVDs. I have two of them I'd like to give away. They're called Such Were Some of You. Very helpful. My friends in ministry created this DVD. On the back, you'll see 25 testimonies. All of these have been transformed out of homosexuality and back to their living in a life of holiness to God. It has in it also the theology issues, the psychological issues, and then the testimonies all in one DVD. So anybody like to have one? Okay, ma'am, I saw your hand there. And there's plenty more. You can actually get it online. The link online is free. There's also another one that I, I, I ran out or I would have brought it. It's called Transformed. Just like this is a transformed DVD, and it has 15 testimonies of believers who have went all the way through transgender, have been surrendered their lives to Jesus, been transformed back to life of holiness. Most people don't know one person, much less 15, right? Yes, ma'am. Again, this is online. Such were some of you. The link is free. You could actually get it online. So if you guys would share that. And I also left one with the, with the church, So, I mean the school here. So what I want to get into with you is... A very serious subject here. I'd like to speak to you about one of the greatest deceptions in the history of humanity right now. That's a big deal. One of the greatest deceptions. Deception means to cause to believe something that's not true. This is not just in our culture now. It's in the church, right? We have been caused to believe something that is not true. It is the deception and lie that God created humanity with homosexual attractions, that God instituted homosexual marriage, that God also created humanity with body parts of one gender, but made them feel like the opposite gender on the inside. Is that not what is being told to us today? That's the deception and the lie. But God's word in his truth says it's exceptionally clear in Genesis, right? That he created man in his own image, male and female. He created them in his image. Matthew 19, which I want to read because this is Jesus's words. Often you have this debate that Jesus didn't say anything about that, right? Matthew nineteen four through 6. And he answered them and said, Have you not read that he which made them at the beginning made them male and female? And said, For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave to his wife, and the two shall be one flesh. Wherefore they are no more two but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man put asunder. Very clear, right? In Ephesians 5, marriage represents Christ in the church. It says, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife. The two shall become one flesh. But this is a great mystery. I'm talking about Christ in the church. All of a sudden he reveals marriage between husband and wife, male and female, is a picture of Christ in the church. This is deep, people. This is not just a marriage. This is the spirituality of Christ in the church. So what would Satan want to do but come mar the image of God and Christ in the church? And he does it through breaking our sexuality, breaking what God has intended. Um, last verse, God created family. This is one of my favorite verses in Ephesians three fourteen through 15. I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom all family in heaven and earth is named. God created family. He named it. He's our Father, the only religion in the world that says there's a Father. His loving fathership over us is beautiful. In Revelation, the bride of Christ, the marriage supper of the Lamb, 
as you see, it's overwhelmingly true that God created male and female. How could this happen in the church where there's not a single scripture that blesses same-sex intercourse, right? There's not a single scripture that shows any other union but husband and wife, only mentions two genders, male and female, and over 2,000 times says, makes reference to husband, man, wife, mother, wedding, marriage. Would it make sense to believe that God created persons as lesbian, gay, bi, trans, queer, non-binary, whatever other words you want to call it, and somehow forgot to mention this in his word? That doesn't make sense. Does it not make natural sense if we're believers? The truth is that all humanity is born in a sin nature. It's the sin nature. It shows up in all forms of brokenness, abortion, abuse, rape, prostitution, pornography, heterosexual addiction, fornication, heterosexual, right? And also, yes, homosexual activity, gender confusion, transgender confusion. This is why Jesus came to forgive us of our sins, to transform our lives and to help us be free, right? The truth is, again, homosexual, homosexual attraction is not sin. Transgender feelings are not sin, but they're also not who God created us to be. So how do we bridge that love and truth with compassion for those who are hurting? I know because I've been there. I know what it feels like for homosexual feelings to feel so right and it not mix with the words. So for those who struggle with homosexual feelings and transgender, we need compassion for those because the woundedness and the hurt is very deep. But in that compassion, we lovingly love you into saying, here's who God is. And let me tell you what the roots are to it. And you can understand, right, a a bit better. So all these attractions as it relates to sexual dysfunction are really a symptom of a deeper, deeper psychosocial issue. Very simple. The root causes to our gender insecurity, confusion. It's all, we all need it. When we're acting out heterosexually over and over, given our prostituting our bodies, it's because we have a psychosocial issue going on and we need help. Why is it that when it comes to same-sex attraction and transgender, we forget that you need help? We say, oh, actually on that case, you're all born that way. (laughs) That makes it very different and difficult to understand. So there are deep root issues. Sexual abuse, I bet you, well, almost 100% of transgenders I have talked to have had some serious sexual abuse violation. Now, the numbers, I don't have a, you know, an actual uh, real number to tell you that it was scientifically done and all of its survey was done right. But I'm telling you, I have not met one that hasn't had sexual abuse. And why would we not think that it had something to do with our gender disorder? When a young boy is raped by a man, you tell me that that's not going to tra- change his gender transformation and have great effect, but we need healing for that. We have mercy for those who've struggled, but we also say there's healing, right? Lack of validation in our gender. I mean, I just didn't feel validated and and right as a girl growing up for whatever reasons, a whole bunch of them, right? I, I didn't feel affirmed in what it meant to be girl. I could have been a guy all day long. I wouldn't join the brownies because you had to wear that brown skirt. I literally, nobody knew when I was eight that that's why I wouldn't do it. But when I found out you could wear brown pants, I was like, okay. It was like that thing that meant I can't do that. Because I don't feel it on the inside, right? I couldn't connect with the same-sex parent to validate who I was. And it has to do with opposite-sex parent blessing the home. There's so many dynamics in healthy family. The more unhealthy family is, the more messed up we are in all kinds of ways, right? So siblings, peers, all of the ways that we relate to people have everything to do with how we feel about ourselves. We all have insecurity, but the ones that struggle with gender confusion have great, great insecurity. So much so that you might feel like you are in the wrong body. And so disconnected. But there's hope and help for that. So 
I'm thankful that someone told me the truth, but it was also hard, right, to hear that truth. Because your first flesh raises up and goes, no, especially in this culture. No, you're not letting me be who God created me to be. And it's a very challenging road to walk, but we have to repent of our disobedience. This began way back in doubting God's word about heterosexual marriage back in the day, right? Used to. Everybody didn't live together before they got married. Then all of a sudden that was okay. And that's okay to have fornication all over the place. Okay for our own heterosexual disobedience. And now we've gotten so far to the fact that we on the church platform, many in the, in the Christian church across this country, have put transgenders on the platform, have mutilated their bodies, cut off body parts, and affirmed it as God's plan. How did we get from there to here? Because we weren't obedient to our own issues in the first place. So we have to repent for that. And sadly, doctors and psychologists and Christians are now affirming and encouraging people to surgically go have their body parts removed to fix the inside. They're giving puberty blockers to young boys and girls that feel like they're transgender. Remember I said feel. They're taking cross-sex hormones based on feelings. And it's so grievous that psychology and doctors are telling people that. So parents, young parents, it's no wonder they don't know what to do because they think the psychologists are right and the doctors are right saying your child has all the markers of gender uh, confusion. Let's begin to give puberty blockers with no approval or FDA approval or understanding of what those blockers are going to do 20 years from now. We're going to have a culture so messed up because they now have changed their bodies in ways that were not even accurate, right? How can we be so deceived, right? Um... We should be just, we need to welcome those who are struggling, right, into our fellowship. We need to love them. We need to help them. We need to put them in places where they can get help. Because there are a lot of people who don't even know there's help. A lot of those struggling in the culture with same-sex attraction don't even know that anybody's been transformed. Much less the 25 you saw on that DVD. Or we have, I have flyers back there. This is an amazing love event that we hold. We're holding it this September 22nd, 2018, we bring 40 live testimonies of issues of sexuality, all worshiping all day, just saying, once we were blind, now we see. We offer hope and help. We don't just say, hey, you should be changed. We say, here's how you go. Here's how you deal with that. There are programs like Living Waters, 28-week discipleship program put out by Desert Stream Ministries that is a 28-week discipleship program dealing with our issues and relationships. It's so helpful. There are ways to get help and walk through our confusion, but it's not easy. And um, as Dr. Karanja was saying earlier, we want a quick fix. The quick fix is to go have surgery, and maybe that'll change the inside. The quick fix is let's just embrace it all and change the word, and we're all better. It's harder to walk the walk, but it's so worth it. I would not give you, you couldn't give me a million dollars, $10 million to go back to where I was. What God has given me, what he has for us is so much better than what we have, right? What we think we have. Amen. So the truth is we have to address our feelings that don't line up, right? This should be a welcomed hope for all those who struggle for most of their lives with same-sex attraction and gender dysphoria. This should be a welcomed hope, but unfortunately it's not a welcomed hope in this culture. It's, it's the enemy, right, if you say anything different. But we have to keep preaching that. We have to keep preaching the truth because... God will bring us people who want help, and we need to know there's a road. And today, when you leave, you can't say that you don't know the truth now. You can say, you may not know how to understand it all, but you can say, hey, I heard a girl today who's been transformed, and hey, I can give you a website, you can go get help. You have what it takes to get help. You can, if, if you feel called to minister in a greater way, get educated, learn about that. On our website at hiswonderfulworks.com, you can find resources 
lots and lots of resources on the subject and help. In every state, I'm a part of a ministry called Restored Hope Network. I'm on the board of directors for Restored Hope. It is a network of ministries all across the country. So every state, we have ministries and ministers who can help. So if you have relatives in another state, we can help you find resources for that. Um, Why is it not welcomed? I wanted to end with this statement. Why is such a welcomed um, hope not welcomed? And I want to submit to you that it's much greater than feelings. It's, It's the deception of Satan himself. So how could we be deceived so much, right? And in 2 Thessalonians 2, 9 through 12, I want to read you this. This is the deception. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this reason, God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie that they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. There is a strong delusion. There's there's no way we could be deceived into saying, taking a young girl, for instance, and saying she feels like a man as believers. Now, I'm not talking about in the world. I'm talking about in the church. This year, let's bless her for removing her breasts and taking male hormones and looking like a man on this platform and sending her out and blessing it. What has happened? How could we do that? Knowing what the scripture says, because we don't understand. We've been uneducated on what the um, real reasons of the gender dysfunction are. And we've believed a lie. And it can only happen with deception as great as that. There's no other thing that we've seen. That's why I believe it's the greatest deception in the level of humanity. No time before has the church blessed cutting off body parts and changing. It makes no logical sense, right? It's, it's, it's just craziness. But we are so confused. So I say that with great love and compassion and just say we've got to love. We've got to repent first of our own stuff. And we've got to deal with our own things. God has freedom for you today wherever you've been abused or hurt. God has freedom for you. Find that person you can talk to and pray with and bring it into the light. Find a place you can go to be healed so that you can be stronger to help those ones. And if you have friends, everybody has friends with, of someone who is same-sex attracted. It might be your family. It might be yourself. Love on them. You love them just like you would anybody else, right? But you don't not tell them the truth. And you can't walk up and go, oh, you need to stop being that, right? You just love on them. And you have the conversation that and they might not want to hear it, but it's the truth. And I didn't want to hear it many times. But one day, as Dr. Karanja was saying, Jesus rescued me. He showed me a picture um, after I was born again of me walking from, it was a vision of what really happened. It was me walking from the gay bar to my car in the dark in Atlanta I had no regard for God. And God said, even then, I was following after you and calling you. Even then, when you didn't have any respect for me and know know me, I believed in Jesus, but I was giving myself away in terrible ways that didn't honor him. When we, this is mercy, so wonderful. When we um, affirm gay marriage, homosexual attraction and um, acting out, transgender, and even heterosexual forms of unholiness when we affirm that we blaspheme the image of god and that is sobering when god said i created man in my our own image and it's beautiful and when we take that and we say oh you can cut the body parts off we have blasphemed what god created in his own image we don't realize the beauty of it that's the deception how can this happen right i see keep going how can this happen lord because there's a power of satan released in this earth because his days are short and he knows if he can mar the image of God and disrupt everything, he's, he's ruined as much as he can. But God in his mercy. But we have a father that says, I forgive you and I'll give you the way out. And that's what I, I hope you leave encouraged today. Uh, sobered. 
in areas that we need to repent and repent for judging and bashing those struggling with homosexuality, right? We have long time said, stop sinning because you're going, are you going to go to hell? And we've also said, oh, God loves everybody. Let's just don't say anything. (laughs) Somewhere there's a balance of grace and truth. In the Holy Ghost, there's a balance of grace and truth that says, God didn't create us this way. And God has mercy to forgive you. And I'll point you to a way to help. But you got to walk in obedience, right? You got to give it up. And, And as soon as you do, he comes. So I am just thrilled to be able to share the story with you today and share the word that I believe is the Lord. And I pray you're strengthened. I pray that you have hope. And if you're struggling, that you will contact us. We have uh, business cards, flyers, things of the ministry out there. If you know anybody that needs them. And mark your calendars for September 22nd, 2018. It is wonderful. It's going to be held at the Ethiopian Evangelical Church in Atlanta. Great, wonderful place. Wonderful people who've opened their doors to say, we're not ashamed to hold this testimony. And when many churches don't want to have that subject talked about. Thank you for allowing me to talk about this today. And I appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you for downloading this episode of Beulah Heights University Chapel Experience. Support comes from gifts and donations from people like you. You can find out more about giving at beulah.edu backslash donate now. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, welcome back. You're listening to the final segment of the Georgine Rice Show. Well, Stephen Hawking defied a diagnosis of ALS to live virtually his entire adult life with the disease. In a wheelchair, paralyzed, but making constant contributions to the world few, uh, few could understand. He died at age 76, according to a family spokesman. Although he may have been incapacitated physically, he managed to write books, including the bestseller, A Brief History of Time, teach physics and mathematics, deliver speeches, and even float in zero gravity, all while working in the fields of cosmology and quantum gravity. I can barely say them, let alone understand them. He wasn't modest about what he wanted to do. My goal is simple, he once said. It's a complete understanding of the universe, why it is as it is, and why it exists at all. The temptation to say something like, well, he knows now, is uh, nearly overwhelming, but that's not my point. We'll get to that in a moment. In interviews that were uh, taken earlier, Hawkins was frank about his physical restrictions, saying, I'm sure my disability has a bearing on my uh, why I'm well-known. He said in an interview with the BBC, people are fascinated by the contrast between my very limited physical powers and the vast nature of the universe I deal with. I'm the archetype of a disabled genius, or should I say a physically challenged genius, to be politically correct. At least I'm obviously physically challenged. Whether I'm a genius is more open to doubt. Well, Hawkins was married and divorced twice. His first wife, Jane Wilde, was a fellow student at Cambridge to whom he was married for 28 years. He then married his nurse, uh, whom he uh, was with for about 11 years before they separated. He survived by three children from the first marriage, Robert, Timothy, and Lucy. Hawkins developed an early interest in science and mathematics, and when he was uh, old enough Uh, His father, a medical researcher, encouraged him to apply to Oxford. And while he was there, Hawking's began his studies in physics. He developed an interest in thermodynamics, relativity, relativity rather, and quantum mechanics. After he graduated from Oxford, he studied at Cambridge, where he was diagnosed with ALS. Also known as Lou Gehrig's disease, it's fatal. It's a motor neuron disease that causes progressive muscular weakness and atrophy. The fact that he lived to... Um, to a ripe old age of 76 is really quite remarkable. 
Um, he uh, later said the diagnosis prompted recurring dreams in which he would sacrifice his own life to save others and said that although there was a cloud hanging over my future, I found, to my surprise, that I was enjoying life in the present more than I had before. Well, shortly after earning his Ph.D., he became a professor at Cambridge, working as a research fellow, then a professional fellow before becoming a, a Lucian professor of mathematics. That same position, which he held in, uh, from 1979 to 2009, was held by Isaac Newton in 1669. Hawking's was, or Hawking rather, was awarded 12 honorary degrees, was elected one of the youngest fellows of the Royal Society in 1974. He was later made a commander of the Order of the British Empire in 1982 and a companion of honor in 1989. He was also a member of the U.S. National Academy of Science and was awarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom in 2009. Hawking's research focused on cosmology and the basic laws of the universe, along with Roger Primrose. He applied a new model to Einstein's general theory of relativity. A model showed that space and time are infinite and they, uh, they would begin with a Big Bang and end with a black hole. He also concluded that black holes should emit radiation and that the universe has no edge or boundary in imaginary time. He was never afraid to voice his opinion, even if he could be considered controversial. Using a mathematical uh, basis, he said he was almost certain that alien life existed in other parts of the universe. The numbers um, alone make thinking about aliens perfectly rational, he said. The real challenge is to work out what aliens might actually be like. He also took a jab at religion. In fact, he took many jabs at religion, saying, I regard the brain as a computer which will stop working when its components fail. There's no heaven or afterlife for broken down computers. That is a fairy story for people afraid of the dark. In 2007, he became the first quadriplegic to float in zero gravity when he took a flight in NASA aircraft used to train astronauts. When asked why he was taking such a flight, he said, first of all, I believe that life on Earth is at an ever-increasing risk of being wiped out by a disaster such as sudden nuclear war, a genetically engineered virus, or other dangers. I think the human race has no future if it doesn't go into space. I therefore want to encourage public interest in space. Well, he is, at age 76, now deceased. Death is the great leveler of men and women. It doesn't matter if you were a Ph.D., how impressive you were on earth or in this life. What matters at that point is what you did with Jesus Christ. And while it's uh, tempting to gloat over someone who is uh, so vociferously critical of the Christian faith or faith in general, my heart is heavy for this man, hoping that in his final moments he had a revelation of Jesus Christ that resulted in saving faith. I mention it because for those of us who are navigating through life with very few challenges, we may imagine our lives will go on forever. We may want to make a name for ourselves, have our 15 minutes of fame, but what really matters in the end is not so much what the world says about us, what the news reports are saying about us, what our um, eulogy or obituary might say what really matters is whether or not when we face the Lord of the universe that Stephen Hawking loved so much that we have the right answer to the question of what did you do with my son? Who do you say that I am? I pray that Stephen Hawking came to saving faith. I don't know if he did or not. That's my hope. But it is a reminder to us all that death is the great leveler and one day we will face the one with whom we have to do. Tomorrow on the program, we are going to join World Concern for our annual Radiothon, and we're going to focus our attention on the crisis in Somalia. And I know hearing the words crisis and Somalia have become very familiar, and the, uh, the temptation to become fatigued in our 
uh, our compassion is a real challenge, but they are experiencing a prolonged, severe drought. It's taking lives, destroying livelihoods in Somalia, and we're going to focus our attention there because there's something we can do to help. Some communities there haven't seen rain for over two years. It's hard for us in the Pacific Northwest to even imagine such a thing, but... That's the case in Somalia. The fall rain failed again this year, making the crisis even more imminent. April and June 2018 rains are forecasted to be below average if they occur at all. And if this dim forecast happens, it's going to mark the fifth consecutive below average season in Somalia. Well, World Concern has been responding to this disaster for many months, but it's getting worse. Lots of people left their homes in search of food and water. Families have lost entire herds of animals, their only livelihood. No food can be grown. Children are malnourished and the rates are skyrocketing. More than 388,000 children are severely malnourished. And fears of famine are rising and some are warning that this could be as bad, if not worse, than the 2011 famine that killed 260,000 people there. Well, while it may be overwhelming, we have an opportunity to make a difference in the lives of some of those who suffer in Somalia. So I hope you'll plan to join us uh, here on the Georgine Rice Show as we partner with World Concern for uh, t- tomorrow's program and throughout the day on KPDQ. So please plan to join us. All right, we're just about out of time. I want to thank Clark Hilton for engineering uh, today's program, James Blind for engineering a portion of and producing all of today's program, and thank you for making the Georgine Rice Show part of your day. Hope we can talk again tomorrow. Good night. Thanks for listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. If you'd like to download a podcast of the show or would like more information on today's guests, please visit the show at kpdq.com or on Facebook. Follow the show on Twitter at G Rice Show and like us on Facebook. And join us live every weekday at 4 for more critical thinking for critical times on 93.9 KPDQ. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.